press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to taste in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nominated? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in New, in York, New York City, City and, and the, world. the world. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. And we're here on Friday today. Yes, we are. It's it's Friday. There's Drag Race tonight. There is. But we're here with a special bonus interview because it felt timely. It, it couldn't wait for a later date, you yeah. know? Well, we often have to put a lot in the can. We do. And then open the can when the time is right. Very but... Pandora's box. Does that okay. make any sense for this situation or not? Very mother box for those of you who watched Justice League Snyder's. <laughs> <laughs> did anyone? Do you think any of our listeners did? Write, write us letters. We're still, we're on day four of watching it and we still have an hour and 40 minutes left because mm -hmm. it was longer than any Lord of the Rings film. I can't you know, think of a longer movie. I will also say that on the day of this episode's release, we are going to be getting our second shot of the COVID vaccine. So we will either be experiencing severe side effects or totally fine. Now, being Moderna women, of course, yeah, yes. we, we will you know have to reenter society. Oh, my God. How I do know. you feel about that? Horrible. I think that's why I'm faced with crippling anxiety lately. Okay. Because I'm seeing other people, you know, living normal lives, and I I don't have that like pandemic bitterness where I'm like, oh my god, what are they doing? It's more like, well, no, they can do it now. Like, yeah, why yeah, am yeah. I not there? Well, it's also hard not being in New York too. Very true. Very true. I don't know. I'm excited. I think that you know it's not going to go back to normal right away. So I still think there's going to be a big adjustment period. I mean, the children have yet to be vaccinated. Let's remember that. I know. Do there you think are children sad? in this world. I haven't talked to any in a while. Do you think they want the shot? Yeah, but this is my second time interviewing this person for a podcast. Drama. Our guest today is a writer, composer, performer, and is the youngest writer ever selected for the New York Musical Festival for his show, Balloon Boy, the Musical. In 2018, he won his first Mac Award for comedy song and repeated his win in the same category in 2020. In 2017, he was the recipient of the York Theatre Company NEO Award. His albums include the 2018 release, The Perks of Being a Snowflake, and his latest creation, which is out today, is a Broadway Records release of the concept recording about the life of Hollywood madam Heidi Fleiss called Little Black Book, which features friends of the pod, Alice Ripley, Brittany Johnson, and then other guests, including Jessica Bosk, Orfe, Mandy Gonzalez, and more. His show, A Musical About Star Wars, was running off-Broadway at the St. Luke's Theater before the shutdown, but his work also includes musicals, Dimes, Songs for Newsical, The Bestest Office Christmas Party, ever and more. He's a regular at 54 Below, The New Amsterdam, Broadway and Bryant Park, Lincoln Center, The Kennedy Center, and beyond. Recently, he's been creating short-form musical content on this little app called TikTok, <laughs> garnering millions and millions of views in his first month on the app. Please welcome to drama, Billy Reese. Billy Reese. Hi, guys. Hello. Thank you for having me. Isn't it sad that I have to shout out that I'm doing work on TikTok now? <laughs> 
My God. It's the, oh my it's God. the future. Twenty one. It's the future. <laughs> well, and you're also young. You're very young. In fact, for years you toted that you were barely legal, if I recall. That was my little catchphrase. Mm-hmm. It was it was very cute. It was. In real on the on dating apps or in like the performing world. In the performing world. world, but you know, sometimes you'll see ads for 54 below on Tinder. So I <laughs> guess you can say also in the dating apps. I love it. Oh my God. Well, Billy, welcome to drama. Are you well? I am well enough. I am making it work. It has been a crazy week as we roll out this album, but I'm so excited for people to be able to hear it today. Oh my God. It has been a labor of love for the last six months in production and beyond that for writing it and and whatnot. But yeah, I'm so pumped for people to start hearing these songs. Oh my God. Well, we heard a little sneak preview. Oh, and we love. My God. Thank you. You, Thank you. It's you. so good. You just really have this knack for these clever lyrics, but also like really establishing context. And I did a little research about this iconic woman, Heidi Fleiss, as well. Mm. And the way that you were able to seamlessly integrate the different storylines of her life into this music is so genius and it, and you really should be proud not that i'm you know any sort of like aficionado of, of heidi flies yes. yeah <laughs> but you just you really really nail it well thank you i appreciate that i am so inspired by sort of taking characters that the tabloids have sort of like two-dimensionalized and sort of fleshing them out and three-dimensionalizing them and not necessarily making them sympathetic but making them empathetic i guess mm. right you know creating real people i mean that has always been what has inspired me. My career sort of started with a musical about the Balloon Boy case, and I've just sort of continued to work on that route. That's so interesting. I can't help but think about Britney Spears right now, but we can get into her later, but... Oh, truly though, you know? no, truly. I was I was sitting there, I was like, this is the Britney Spears musical that I want, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> God bless the the once upon a one more time or whatever it's called, yeah, yeah. but you know, that's that's what I want is the, the free Britney musical. Oh yeah. Come on. I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. Billy, you have to write it. I think I'm gonna, but I don't think I'm gonna get clearance for the Britney Spears catalog. So I'm just gonna have to write like songs that like sort of sound like Britney Spears songs. Mm -hmm. Just like change one or two words, you know, like, ouch, I boinked it again. You know, like, (laughs) like that's what I gotta do. Yeah, toxic could be toxic. Right, toxic, exactly. Yeah, I'm making some calls. Absolutely. Well, I know that this has been a long gestation period for Little Black Book, but Mm -hmm. can you actually tell us about like where the idea even came from to begin Mm -hmm. with? Yeah, so... So Heidi Fleiss, for listeners who might not know, uh, she's a little before all of our time, but in the early 90s, she was this sort of badass lady pimp who sort of controlled Hollywood. She was 26 years old. She had hundreds of thousands of rich 1% clientele men in her little black book that she would sort of pimp her girls out to. And it all sort of came crumbling down within a year or two when she was arrested. She lost everything. And now she lives in the deserts of Nevada, housing 40 parrots. She is like such a crazy character, such a larger than life person. And I was sort of struck by this story. I read an article um, in The Hollywood Reporter in maybe 2018 or 2019 that was sort of catching up with Heidi Fleiss and her parrots. And I was like, oh my God, this is a musical. I had been trying to find a project to work on with a collaborator, a director friend of mine named Will Nunziata, who is super talented and has been working with us uh, on the project ever since. 
And, um, and yeah, I, we, we talked about this article and had several conversations at our dearly departed Fika in Hell's Kitchen. Um, sad loss, Rest very sad peace. loss, truly. Um, and yeah, and, and ever since then, we've just sort of been working and brainstorming this musical. We premiered a lot of songs from it at a 54 Below show in January of 2020, as we were discussing beforehand. Yes. Um, and, uh, and we were going to do a, a 29 hour reading in the spring of 2020. Uh, so then when COVID sort of shut everything down, we were like, you know what? The show is structured as a one woman rock concert. Let's give people the opportunity, you know, this doorway into the show through the songs, right? Uh, in this sort of Jesus Christ Superstar Avita concept album way, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and, that, and that's how it all started. Oh, I love it so much that I, oh, even cool. knowing the story really elevates it too. Because it, it, there were moments where I thought, wow, like, was this written to be a multi-character narrative but it totally makes sense like remember when they did that an evening with Janis Joplin show a few mm-hmm. years ago I was getting yeah. vibes of that and and even just like the the people that you brought on board to to make mm. the music sing I mean come on like it's, it's thank really you amazing. I really it appreciate is so it. good thank you when you were writing the show maybe this is like a naive question mm. but were you imagining any certain performer in mind to be your Heidi oh man I don't want to out anybody right now, you know, because hopefully we'll be in we'll be in negotiations with someone soon. But but, you know, what I love about the show is that it gives a woman of a certain age, a real starring, you know, nuanced vehicle, an opportunity to stand center stage with a mic and sing 12 crazy rock songs and really give her 90 minutes in the spotlight. You know, there are so few real meaty nuanced roles for women, you know, uh, in their fifties. And that was something that really pushed me with this story too, was, was writing something for uh, an actress like that. I mean, well, you have one of my favorite actresses, Alice Ripley on the album Mm. and her number, which is towards the end of the show. Mm -hmm. And obviously referencing her her time with her bird, her parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Alice sounds so good. And she's a friend of the pod. I think this mm. is the best she's sounded in years. Like this music is just perfect for her voice. Yeah, she is incredible. And honestly, I've been like pinching myself working with her because I saw Next to Normal twice growing up. It was one of my favorite shows. You know, my mom bought a little pill box uh-huh. uh, that they were selling at the uh, merchandise stand. So so it is so cool to be working with her. And she is just the mm-hmm. sweetest and so fucking talented. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I can curse on this, oh, right? yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. So. You know who I was gagged for? And the song is still stuck in my head, but it's Orfe's big number. She's fucking amazing. I oh love her. I love her. You know, knock on wood. She's somebody who I think would be amazing oh, yeah. in the show down the line. Because she's a rock oh, yeah. star, you know? She's a exactly. rocker, man. She oh. so is. And her song sounds like it was written for her. And that was literally when I thought to ask you that, because I was like, mm. oh, my God, this is right. going to be her Tony Award-winning she, role. That's what I'm saying, you know? Well, that's the thing. It's that, you know, we really wanted to give 11 women, you know, to, to cover these different shades of Heidi's life, right? And get people that sort of aligned with that. So you have Orfe's song, which is this like badass, you know, rock song about Heidi's height of success. And we're like, who encapsulates that rock star energy? And it's, it's Orfe. 100%. I know. 
say what you will about the Pretty Woman musical, but she slayed the house down boots Incredible. on her every number she had, right? The boots, the, the mohawk. Oh, yeah. oh my God, she was iconic. Now, iconic. I, now, you have a lot of recognizable Broadway names on this album, but there is one mm -hmm. name in particular that my jaw was on the floor when I saw that Von Zell Solomon is a part of this album. Oh my God, I'm so glad you like, brought up Von Zell we Solomon. We all watched American Idol all those years ago. But no, she, it's so funny you say that because I literally was mm -hmm. obsessed with her yep. season four. You know, she should have made it to the finals. It was Bo Bice. Bo Bice and Carrie Underwood. Underwood. Yeah. But she was my favorite. I cried when she lost. Mm -hmm. I still have the autographed uh, headshot of her that I bought when I saw season four on tour. Uh, <laughs> that I, I certainly, I showed that to her when we were on her Zoom. I was like, she's, she is something else. And just her voice is fucking incredible. Incredible. It's so unique, but also like you feel like you've been hearing it for years. It's one of those, it's like a familiar sound. She is unreal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, she is somebody that I'm so glad people are like, oh my God, you got Von Zell for this? Because I'm so glad that people remember her, you mm -hmm. know, and remember her incredible talent. We went to that concert too. Yeah. In Cleveland. Oh, did you really? We saw it in Cleveland though. But... Yes, we saw it. We saw it at the, uh, the Nassau Coliseum. So okay. it's all good. I remember mm. after that concert, our friend... One of our friend's moms, and I'll leave them nameless because the friend listens to this podcast. She said, okay. anytime Bo Bice sings, I feel like I need to take a cold shower. And at, <laughs> and at 12 years old, I mean, no, wait, no, wait, 10 maybe in fourth grade. Yeah, 10. I, I never knew what that meant. <laughs> I still don't. I've, look, we liked Bo Bice growing mm -hmm. up because we were like a big Blood, Sweat and Tears family. And he sang a lot of Blood, Sweat and Tears songs. But that was sort of his shtick. Mm -hmm. He did not have the range right. of Miss Fonzel Solomon. No, no, no one does. No one does. Miss Carrie didn't even. I mean, we saw Miss did not. The Sound of Music. Mm -hmm. We need Fonzel on Broadway. I want Fonzel in The Sound of Music. Yes. Yes. Give me Fonzel as Maria Von Trapp. Come on. Oh, I love oh. this. So how did you even Truly. get connected to Fonzel? I'm honestly curious about that. Was it was Will Nunziata, who's also a twin? We have to say. Mm, yes, he mm -hmm. is. He is a twin. Mm -hmm. Did he help with some of like the, the collaborations? I mean, I know you've had. Yeah, no, he, yes. He's very close with Lilius and uh, with Jessica and a couple others on the album, you know, Brittany Johnson. So, but Von Zell was one that we reached out to her agent and we were like, hey, like we love Von Zell. Like we can't see anybody else singing this song <laughs> except for Von Zell. Like, please. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. Oh so. So it was, it was awesome. I love yeah. that. That's what we also do with the podcast sometimes. I know this is like some BTS stuff, but <laughs> it's amazing to that point though. I think it's amazing sometimes that people are really willing to collaborate and be creative, you know? Right, right. Well, especially now. And I think the one good thing I can say about this time that we're living in is that people are available and are willing to work and willing to be reached out to. I, I don't think I would have been able to get half these people if, you know, we weren't in the middle of a pandemic. So I'm, I'm sort of thankful that people's schedules were open and, and willing to trust a, a new young writer. You know, I you know? would yeah. say yes to normally, but Billy, you are one to watch. I mean, you, you had a Lincoln Center concert, like people know your name, like you're becoming a household name yourself in the theater realm. <laughs> That's very sweet. I'm keeping busy. I'm trying. That that means a lot. Thank you. I mean, Thank you were you. in Variety. Yeah. We were in Variety. That was pretty crazy. That was insane. Um, and we didn't know that that was coming out that day. So it was sort of like a mad dash to get everything posted mm -hmm. and, and get the graphics ready and everything. But it was awesome. It, it really was a, a dream come true. I'm trying to find a physical copy of Variety. So if if you if you know anyone, yeah. let me know. Well, that, but that's, it's that's like such a pinch me moment. I'm sure to see yourself in in print. But I'm curious about if 
Ms. Fleiss herself has received word of this project. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, so recently she has. I will tell you, we reached out to her reps last year about the show. And they said, you know, please, yeah, continue developing this musical. And, you know, we'll make sure something happens with Heidi down the line. And because of the press, Heidi has taken notice. And, you know, uh, she is a public figure. So we technically uh, do not need her blessing, but we want her mm-hmm. blessing because the show is, it's a, a, an empathetic portrayal of her. It is giving her, you know, um, the, uh, a second look that she never got. So, so I'm hoping she becomes involved and we'll see what, what happens now that this album comes out. So wow. she, she did serve time. Like she went away at 20, late 20s? Yeah, yeah, she did. She was uh, 26 when she was arrested, 27, excuse me. And uh, yeah, she was in the same jail that Felicity Huffman went Work. to for the college admission scandal. So luxury, yes, absolutely. luxury. Yes, the, the height of luxury. That's a musical I want to write. That's the next one. Uh-huh. My God. Oh my God. Lori Laughlin will have to play a role. Yeah, I mean, 100%. She's looking for the work. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> she... She grew up in my hometown on Long Island. No she was like forever. She was like our, you know, prime A-lister that came from Hot Bog High School. And now, I mean, we we can't really be proud of that. Right. So it's it's good for me because now I'm the most famous oh, alum yeah. from Hot Bog. So I'll name the auditorium really. after you instead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Have you seen that tweet that's like retweet this and talk about the most f- successful person from your senior class? Have you seen that thing going mm-hmm. around? I have I have seen that, and I don't know why I didn't repost it with Lori Lachlan because that is a very fun oh, yeah. one now. But I'll go back. Oh I'll yeah. When it. calls the heart wasn't that her last? It was big like her show? like yeah her like pilgrimage woman series her like yeah she was like a colonial, was colonial it woman. hallmark or something <laughs> yeah oh my god it because if there's anyone that screams colonial woman <laughs> it's Lori Lachlan <laughs> you know what she they did like a um like a cherry pie moment with her and they edited her out of her last few episodes of that show when the scandal Oh, really? Yes. <gasps> so few people watch oh the show, God. so I guess it just didn't make as much news. You wouldn't even know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's no ridiculous. Wow. But me. Um, okay, wait. I had a question about Heidi as well. Okay, mm. so this little black book. So that's basically, she was a madam. She would mm. organize her workers to go and m- have memorable experiences with Hollywood mm-hmm. elite. That's one way of putting Do it. Do we know anyone who's in the book? Yeah, so that is, I, I am so astounded by Heidi Fleiss's moral compass, quite frankly, because she has never revealed the names of her little black book. And that's sort of like a big aspect of this show. It sort of finds Heidi down on her luck with an offer for millions of dollars to uh, spread the names in her little black book. Wow. And she sort of has to grapple with whether or not she's going to do it. Um, and obviously there is still interest after all these mm-hmm. years, but she's never given up the names. That is like one thing that she will never do. The one person that we do know is Charlie Sheen. Oh, well, of course. But that is because when she was arrested, they found um, traveler's checks from Charlie Sheen in her purse. Okay. So he had to like go and testify and everything. And that was sort of the beginning of the end for Charlie okay. Sheen, you know, yes. a, a long, long uh, a spiral down. It, but... it all comes back to Denise Richards, too. I mean, you know, the six degrees here. She's I is that his ex-wife? I don't think we'll ever hear from Denise Richards again. And you know what? Maybe it's for the best. <laughs> maybe maybe it's OK. Yeah. Wow. I, I really admire Heidi. I mean, I'm pretty gagged that I'm the same age as she was when she went away. Well, that's one thing that's really inspirational about her story to me, too. I mean, look, obviously she was doing something that was illegal, but she was like a young businesswoman who was like getting shit done, Mm -hmm. you know? 
And for me to like, as a young, like musical theater writer, I, I sort of like, I have to admire her sense of enterprise. Oh yeah. So, okay. Putting her stuff out and there. So obviously the album is available now it's through Broadway records. Wait, so where mm-hmm. can everyone find it? Yeah. You can find it on Spotify, Apple music, wherever else you Will listen. Will there be physical copies? Pandora. There will be physical copies. Pandora. I'm very excited because I am a big physical CD whore. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to get that little physical booklet designed by the great Mr. Robbie Roselle. Oh, yes. So dear friend, you know, of the I'm deep friend of, the of course. Yes, of course. Of course. So yeah. So those will be available April 30th on Broadway Records uh, website. Well, yeah. congrats on all this recent success. I mean, today, as you know, we're recording this in the past for release in the future is probably going to be a very exciting day for you. And it's only the beginning of a new chapter. Well, I really appreciate that. And again, I'm just really excited for people to hear the music and to sort of revisit and recontextualize Heidi's story, mm-hmm. you know, because we got, you know, the, the Tanya Harding story retold. We got Lorena Bobbitt's story retold. Now we got Heidi Fleiss. You know what? You know? I think you're paving the way for Dancing with the Stars to offer her a contract for her continued redemption arc. That's what I'm saying. As long as Ryan Murphy doesn't try to make a mini series before this comes to Broadway. His hands are probably That's the one on, thing. You know. Ugh. I'm sure. I'm. He read that Variety article and he was like, it's mine. Mm-hmm. It's over. Did you see that? It'll be James Corden as Heidi Fleiss. <laughs> Did you see that Ryan Murphy was like asking the fans what they want to see on the next season of American Horror Story? I was, and someone responded to his tweet and they said, plot? Yeah. (laughs) I want to see it end. That's what I want to see on the next season of American Horror Story. Haven't we suffered enough? Oh my goodness. Truly, that's the real horror. On our our Patreon, we, Connor and I will like, he's a very often discussed figure and we were saying that he's probably going to do a pandemic season like that is surely what's going to be next as if we didn't do the election season yeah oh Uh, my god have mercy not only did he do the election season but he did it like months after it was like way too soon yeah a pandemic season too that's not going to work because Sarah Paulson is all about acting through the mouth. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to cover the mouth with a mask, what's the point? Oh my God, <laughs> Billy, I have to say you're, oh. if everyone doesn't already follow you on Twitter, they need to because your tweets are so freaking hysterical. And even today I was yes. just in like doing like a little bit of research on you again. I was just scrolling through your Twitter, just DMing them to Connor of like funny things. The one that oh you did God. of the weekend from the Super Bowl, and it was like, what the playbill um dollar playbill play right. at the flea market sees i was being my pants you it's just oh like it's a testament God. to say like you're a brilliant writer and it's you have a very strong comedic balance as well well i appreciate that i'm sure my twitter will be the reason i won't work sometimes <laughs> but you know whatever <laughs> speaking truth to power and can we talk about the broadway flea market mind you thank god covid canceled that because <laughs> that place is scary oh my god you know it is it is like scavengers right i used to go every year truly Mm -hmm. every from like seventh grade onward because i grew up on long island so i would come in on the long island railroad at the crack of dawn being like oh my god i have to go get a a fidian's rainbow window card or some bullshit you know Uh and and ever since like now that i'm an adult quote unquote I'm like, oh my God, I'm seeing all these like 13 year old Billies running around. And I'm like, was I that insufferable? Was I really like punching people for like a falsettos playbill? 
Was that me? You know what? There's uh-uh. no shame, especially at that age, because when it comes to Bill Finn, it's important. Sure. But I will say, you know, I do return every year because I am on a hunt for one thing only. I, you know, mm-hmm. it's well documented. Catch Me If You Can is my favorite musical. And I'm trying to get every piece of merch that they sold for the oh, show. But I don't collect even know half wow. of the things that they even sold because there's no like what documentation are, of it i'm trying to think yeah what they must have sold i'm trying to like think back to playbillstore.com mm-hmm. in 2011 oh, yeah. and see what i can well there's you I know we got the remember. window card i got the mug and the keychain and the pin but you know what else did you get the souvenir program no all right i have it talk to me <gasps> i will okay. we'll, we'll figure out a trade-off yeah yeah you know you mentioned 13 year old billy at the flea And there is a question that I am wondering. We like to go back Mm. to the origins and ask all of our guests about this ring of keys moment, which maybe happened at 13, maybe younger, maybe even older. It's that moment of recognition when you realize that you you needed to have a piece of the pie that is the arts. Do you feel Mm. like you had that moment, Billy? Yeah, I mean, I I guess it's a trajectory similar to a lot of gay boys in the tri-state area, which, you know, I was a child actor, which makes that makes it sound like I booked things. I didn't book things. I was an amateur child actor. So I did a lot of community regional theater children's productions and everything. And my favorite day of all these rehearsals um, was the first day when we would get this sort of hardbound copy of the script, right? And just sort of having this physical like manifestation of the show that we were about to do was always like the most sort of like exciting thing to me, you know, just like looking through and being like, oh my God, this is going to be on stage in two months. And I think that is what sort of set me up to be a writer. You know, I've been writing musicals since like fourth grade, quite honestly. I didn't know how to write sheet music at the time. So I would have all these songs, most of them plagiarized melodies, you know, in my head being like, oh, one day, you know, when I'm, when I'm 14, this will be on Broadway, you know, uh-huh. when I'm all grown up. But yeah, I really do think it, it started just having these these hardbound scripts from MTI Junior oh, yeah. collection. You know, it's so, like I said, I, I'm a big physical CD whore. I grew up collecting cast albums. I'm, I'm at my childhood home right now. Um, so I'm, you know, literally staring down the face of 600 CDs <laughs> in my childhood bedroom right now. And the first cast album I ever got was Seussical. Mm. It remains, I think, the best cast album of all time. I really do. It is not the best musical of all time. It is not the best score of all time. But as a cast album, it is as perfect as you can get. I love Beautifully Seussical. mixed, beautifully mastered, a, a perfect uh, manifestation of what that show is. It does not get any better. And it's why the show mm. was able to become, like it's still like mm. one of the top 10 produced shows every year. Like it's how it circulated because it was a trouble. Exactly. Run. They can cancel Dr. Seuss, but they can't cancel Seussical. They cannot. They cannot. The canceling Dr. Seuss thing, that is so dumb. They're canceling like the books that nobody read. So why are people getting know, mad at that? I know, it's ridiculous. It's like you, you never read McElligot's Pool. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, people. I get it. If it was the cat in the hat, then maybe you can be mad. But it's like the cat's quizzer, uh-huh. like the sixth sequel to the cat. Out of print like, things that no one has even heard really? of. Yes, I completely Calm agree. Calm down. It's, yeah. Oh. There's this boy that we saw play Jojo in when he was young. He oh has grown up to be an Equinox gay who works and uh. lives in New York. And he is hot now. And that's the right. only experience I have with Susical. I'm like right. dying right now, but I, I just did the like three pics follow thing on Instagram with him. 
and he didn't follow what? back. You, oh my god! He didn't like follow back. Follow. Oh my god! I can't. I can't. And his name is not Andrew Keenan Bolger. <laughs> That's not his name. He, How he, fascinating! He looks like him. He's like same body at, at this point. Same build. He's taller. They all do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they all do. I don't. And, I can't trust a former JoJo. <laughs> I can barely trust a former Gavroche, you know? Wow. You know, but we can trust the Billy Elliots because Tom Holland has gone on to good good things. That is true. That is true. And David Alvarez. Very true. Is he in the West Side Story film? He is. He is. But before that, he was in my class at Fordham. After he was in the military, like he went from Billy Elliot to the military to Fordham University. Like that man has a range and now he's oh, yes. Bernardo. So he was one of the three that got the Tony? He was, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's hot now. That is incredible. He's hot. Oh my God, they're all hot. You know, good for them. Yeah. Good, <laughs> good for them. <laughs> but anyway, Susical, that's my only experience with it. And I'm so gagged that you think it's a perfect cast album. I'll have to dive back into it. I know. I, we need to give it another must must long time. I will do like a track by track breakdown with you. Like literally oh my God. analyzing Will you come back it. for our Patreon yes. and record Can like a special? We're like always... That sounds so great. I would love that. Okay, Billy, did you ever get the chance to appear in Susical? I did. I did. It's funny uh, how I said you can't trust a former JoJo because I did play JoJo in Susical in sixth <laughs> grade. And it, it was my dream role for quite a long time. Like any young young gay boy in the tri-state area, um, my older brother was Horton. Oh, wow. And my younger sister was the elephant bird at the end. Oh, my God. So it was a whole family affair. And my mom made the t-shirts. So oh, that was a key role that we don't talk about enough. The mom t-shirt. who made mom, the t-shirts. The mom who also yeah. typed up the program. Yep. Which True we didn't MVP. call them playbills in our community theater. They were always called the program. The program. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so you obviously growing up in New York, you had the access of the city. What was your first Broadway show you actually saw? Yeah, my first Broadway show, I was eight or nine. And we saw Beauty and the Beast. The reason was uh, Donny Osmond was playing Gaston. But of course. Of course. Uh, it was on its, its you know, last legs. Uh, and my mom was a huge Donny Osmond fan growing up. So we, uh, yeah, we went to go see that. Who was Belle? Do you, do you know, was it a celeb? I'm not sure if it was a celeb. I think they were, they were on like a strict like one celeb at a time rotation oh yeah you know yeah because i know annalise vanderpool did it around that time too but i don't i i think i would have remembered if she was the bell we saw her did you really ironically uh, it was our first broadway show as well oh we really came into town and saw it mm-hmm. but I, no Donnie. she was a she was powerful she's amazing i truly yeah. like she is like in my top five people i want to work with it's like Nikki Blonsky one to four and then Annalise Vanderpool. Okay, but <laughs> stop, because Annalise could totally be Heidi. She absolutely could. She absolutely I don't know could. She's, I don't know how old she is, but I mean, she she has multitudes, honey. She truly does. She tr- I mean, the Vanities original cast album, come on. I know. She's brilliant. It's Talk yeah. about a perfect cast album, uh, Billy. So, I mean, I think that's something <laughs> I've tweeted. I don't know how far back you went. Uh, didn't get but that far. <laughs> that is a perfect cast album. I mean, they have oh four saxophones in that pit. Four. Oh my god! Come on. See, these oh. are the things that you're able to identify. So obviously, you you were on stage as JoJo, and mm. I'm sure other acclaimed performances. But when did you realize that maybe penning the tunes was more your alley? I like I said, I had been you know writing musicals while I was a child actor. But then in seventh grade was the infamous balloon boy case. You know, when a, a father said that his son was stuck in a homemade weather balloon in Colorado, it was this whole big thing. And I wrote a musical about it, as you do. I was 13. And the middle school director of the musicals at the time was starting a children's theater company. And she was like, 
let's do Balloon Boy as, as our, you know, first show. So when I was 13, we did a production of Balloon Boy. I did now, mind you, I did not know how to write the sheet music at the time. So we orchestrated it uh, entirely with kazoos and slide whistles and dubbed it <laughs> Balloon Boy the Kazoosical. Oh, wait, that's cute. It, it wasn't at the time, but it is cute now. But, uh, but yeah, that was sort of the first show that was like, oh my God, like, this is like what I do. Like, I'm a writer. And, and that show sort of like, slowly got different opportunities and performances throughout high school. I had a really supportive high school theater teacher in a, a really writing-based program who encouraged me to, to send the show out there and, uh, you know, do different things with that. And, um, you know, we went to the International Thespian Festival with the show when I was 10th grade, 10th or 11th grade. And a, a high school in Colorado did it for their fall musical when I was in my senior year of high school, a site-specific, a site-specific production of Balloon Boy, exactly. Like truly, though, wow. that it was crazy. It was crazy. It was the closest, like, uh, you know, a gay kid from Long Island will ever feel to a rock star. You know. So did you get to see? Did you obviously fly out? To yeah, see it? yeah, yeah. We went out to, to Colorado for it, and it was awesome. And yeah, so, so and then of course we we went to Nymph my senior year of high school uh, after that. So so that show sort of was like my first uh, foray into like, you know, actually getting stuff up there. And, you know, not all of the productions were good, but they happened, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. and people were very supportive of it. And it's a show that is still very near and dear to my heart. That's so cool. As you were talking, I was thinking about how long the mm. process is. We don't, we haven't had many writers mm. on the podcast. So I guess we haven't really talked about it much with other artists, but you might be working on something for years you know oftentimes mm. performers can be attached to projects for a long time or you know or the two weeks before they get cast in to replace in a broadway show but to be a writer you are living with that material for so long and so it, it really means you have to love it because you're not getting that instant gratification of right. i suppose there are ways of doing that now as a writer like perhaps putting something you just wrote on TikTok mm -hmm. or you know whatever where whatever platform it may be but that's really cool. I, I really admire that in you. And I love you being like, it still holds a special place in my heart because you probably don't work on it much anymore. No, but, but it is funny that you say, you know, just how long the process is because if the show was written in 2010, we were still doing readings and workshops of it in 2018, you know? Wow. And I've since sort of like put it, you know, on the shelf, but it is, you know, uh, musicals are, are rewritten, not written, you know? Mm. You know, and even Little Black Book, I've been writing since 2018, 2019. So it is, it's a long process, but that makes it all the more gratifying when people are finally listening to it. Oh yeah. So in between Balloon Boy and Little Black Book, of course, mm. there is your your Star Wars piece yeah. that was mm. playing up until the pandemic and will likely return mm. afterwards. What can you tell us about this musical about Star Wars? I love that it's it's not a parody show. Mm. It's it's like yeah. these three friends who want to write a musical, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It's about it's about two super fans of Star Wars and uh, an AMDA graduate that they hire to play uh, the third actor in the show. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it, it's delightful. You know, it, it's sort of, I was a Star Wars fan growing up. So I was really honored to be asked to write the score. And I got hired to do that my senior year of college. So, you know, by the time I graduated, I already had a show that was running, which was crazy, super stressful, but super, you know, incredible. And I'm so thankful for it. Um, and it's a show I really like too, you know, it because it isn't just a parody, right? It sort of says something about fandom and, you know, both the good and the toxic parts of, you know, fan culture. That cast album is also on Broadway Records. So y'all can stream that on Spotify and, and iTunes and, you know, maybe I'll get a royalty check for 0.9 cents um, right. in the mail. Be great. <laughs> oh my God. I saw something on Instagram. It was about like how much artists actually make from Spotify. 
Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Absurd. How it's is crazy. that legal? Well, Taylor well, Swift tried to take them to task for it. Well, right? that was was that Apple she took down? No, she. I don't remember. She didn't do Spotify and only put her stuff on Apple. But that was after she like was like, Apple, how dare you not pay? Right. Oh, right. Okay. Exactly. Well, that's why we're, we just released a musical about Star Wars, Taylor's version. So <laughs> oh, nice. put that out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's crazy, but it also like, you know, it gets your work out there at the very yeah. least. And yeah, I mean, it's look, it's the same thing with TikTok. You know, I haven't gotten a send from TikTok, but like, whatever, if you get a million views on a video, like you're getting your work out there and that's awesome, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe one of those people will follow you on Instagram who will see your next, you know, piece and then buy the cast album to Little Black Book. Exactly. So is there going to be a Little Black Book TikTok challenge of any sort? I'm <laughs> I I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I know, no, I, have no. to, I have to do one of those like little like piano things that like where you, where the kids duet. I don't know. I'm like so TikTok illiterate. Like I don't know how I've gotten any views on anything. But yeah, there there will definitely be something for for the teeny boppers to tune into. Yeah. Good. I think that I think this the show is going to appeal to people of all ages too. Yeah. It's it's about an adult woman, but it's also like the cast of singers that you have on there are incredible. Mm. And I mean, they're all catchy tunes. Thank so you. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would love to see as many, you know, young women and um, uh, singing those songs, whether mm-hmm. they're in whatever college showcases or, or their concerts and cabarets. Because um, I think they're also just like really good songs out of context too, you know? Oh, yeah. So we'll see. So if it's on TikTok, then it's on TikTok, you know? What's your dream for Little Black Book? I think uh, I would love a big environmental production that feels like a party you know because the show starts with us coming into her uh parrot enclosure and then it's sort of morphing into you know this party scene in LA um so I just want you know a a big production that people can come and just have the time of their lives with you know hey it's a small enough show it's it's four people Heidi and three backup singers so it's COVID friendly so we'll see but I'm I I think I I see like a sort of like here lies love thing with it do you remember that show here lies love I know about the legacy of it yeah yeah where it was just sort of like a party for 90 minutes you know like sort of structured as like a, a, a big concert club scene and I think that this show absolutely can encourage that kind of atmosphere. Oh, I love it. Wait, I'm all of a sudden thinking Sherry Renee Scott. That's all I'm going to say. Sherry. I don't get me started on Sherry <laughs> Renee Scott. I, I literally should go up to my childhood bedroom right now and show you the Everyday Rapture fan art that I made in seventh grade. Like literally to this day remains my favorite show of all time. If I were to ever do a drag performance, I would need two backup girls and it would be up the ladder to the roof. Like that is what I would be doing at Rise Bar you know oh yeah, oh yeah like my drag harmony truly truly I, incredible incredible oh it'll be stephanie's child backing you up thank sure. you mm-hmm. thank you very much i love that i'm into God, it D- dylan's an everyday rapture stan i am i've never seen it i from what i've heard people who saw it don't really know what it was about but they love the music because it's yeah it's i mean it's irrelevant what it was about you know <laughs> who cares no well i think that it was like her like being like a young amish girl coming to new york mm-hmm. i don't know i was like 13 when it came out so i didn't get half of it but yes it was the music yeah. and i honestly think that that show had such a shaping on me as like a a musical theater writer because I'm obsessed with that sort of like woman standing in front of a microphone with a couple of backup singers just belting their brains out. And that's what Little Black Book is, you know? Oh my God, I love it, that. The, the invis- you know, in the words of Taylor Swift, the invisible string from Little Black Book will lead us back, backwards. To, to mid- everyday rapture. Everyday rapture. Exactly, wow. exactly. Betsy Wolf's impact. And Lindsay, Truly, and Lindsay. And Lindsay. 
and swing Natalie Weiss. That's oh yeah. Lest we forget. I didn't know that. She was a swing on that show. Yep. That's mm-hmm. that's gag worthy. And the it whole story about the show, like how it was like a last minute deal that it was a roundabout season. Yeah, they were going to do lips together, teeth apart. And then Megan Mullally pulled out. Um, is she a friend of the podcast? She's not, but I've, I've, I've heard she pulls out of things all the time. But yeah. you know, I mean, come on. Um, but <laughs> God bless, God bless. But yeah, but that that is what happened, and they were I like, "Oh my God, need to call Sherry." Her status as a friend of the pod. Well, you know, I mean, you never know. Y'all got a lot of friends. I would love to have Megan Mullally on the podcast, though. She'd be amazing. Yeah. She would be terrible in Little Black Book, but I would love to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't she yeah. doing um, Anything Goes? She is, and she looked, and it looked nothing like her in oh, yeah. the uh, the advertisement. Uh-huh. It was like a like CGI version of Megan Mullally, mm-hmm. like. Like an AI. They it was like Madame Tussauds, Megan Mullally, you know? Okay, well, I do love her in Young Frankenstein. That, that was my whole that. introduction to her. Because I didn't watch mm-hmm. Will and Grace until many years later, but... I didn't either, yeah. Yeah, I didn't either. When Billy, when did you come out? My freshman year of college in 2015. Wow. Ah, to so, be young. Yeah. To be young. Ah, to be young. To be young. So you're just a couple years, uh, just a couple years younger than us, though, actually. So I feel better. You know, not barely legal anymore, <laughs> but, you know. Oh, well. Barely legal might be the title of the episode, but we'll see. That's fine. I, I don't we'll, know. We'll talk about it. I don't it know. There was it. another title of the episode that spoke to me at one point, and now I forget. Was it Friend of the Podcast, Megan Mullally? <laughs> I, think, I think that should be the name of the episode. Oh my God. Okay. So I feel like we could talk to you forever, Billy, but we are mm. coming to the end of the show and we love to end mm. on, a, on a dose of drama where we like to share the drama in our hearts. It could be something you want to rant or rave about, anything you've been reading, binging, thinking about, want to get off your chest. Dylan, do you want to kick it off today? Yeah, I'm feeling dramatic. My boyfriend, Hunter, got rid of all social media for his final semester of college, but he still is on YouTube. And so when we're together, instead of like scrolling oh. through TikTok or something, he will like pull up YouTube videos. And we happened upon Dan Levy of Schitt's Creek fame, his 73 questions with Vogue, which we watched, and mm-hmm. then his 10 essentials. Now I will say, I am a Schitt's Creek fan. I thought it was hysterical. I loved a lot of the performances and I think Dan Levy is a brilliant writer. I think we're in this age of like, I'm relatable. And he has not fallen into that pocket at all. Mm-hmm. In his mm-hmm. 10 Essentials for GQ, he discussed these Japanese products, one of which was a diptyque candle that he said you should bring to any dinner party you go to. And the next time you're in Japan, go and pick them up. Mm-hmm. And I had to laugh. I thought to myself, you are your character from Shit's Creek. You are like this nepotism um, uh-huh. child of Hollywood who somehow ended up in Canada for Shit's Creek. But like, I was just shocked that I thought he was very relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did see that. I did see that. Uh, I didn't see the video, but I saw people talking about it. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> and there there are a lot of moments slowly over this Shit's Creek journey where we have to be like, Dan Levy, like your nepotism is showing, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my God drama. Bless. I will I will support his work because I do love that we have a gay, out gay writer sure. doing his thing. Sure. Um, but I don't think I'll invest in him as like a role model. Right, 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 right. And next time I'm in Japan, like, will I get that cream? Like I will, <laughs> but I'm not gonna say it was because he told me to get it. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Oh my God. Dylan, do, was he saying it with like a wink and a nod or was it like full Gwyneth no. Paltrow? And then he followed up with his next essential was a pair of Prada pants that he's like, and they're on the expensive side if you're willing to splurge. Like it was just very, <laughs> it was like, well, GQ I think is a little bougie at times. With, right. Like, I'd rather just, like, find the knockoff of whatever they're advertising, but isolating. 
if I right. would say. Right. Ooh, a gay person made you feel isolated. Wow. Look yeah, at it's like go. I'm an industry oh on a Friday night all over again. Oh my God, <laughs> girl, girl. Oh my God. Okay, so my drama is that I am mad at our mutual friend, Mark David Wright, for oh. keeping you from us for so long, Billy. Oh, and that I bitch. miss the before times because Mark and I worked together and he mentioned you because I think you helped him with his Christmas extravaganzas that he would partake in or maybe vice versa. I, well, yeah, we were roommates uh, sophomore year of college. They were roommates. Um, and they were roommates. Yeah. So we have been <laughs> best, best friends um, ever since then. And I mean, he was throwing Christmas extravaganzas, you know, since freshman year. Mm -hmm. We we decorated our, our dorm and everything. But yeah, he is delightful. He directed my Christmas music video this year. And I think he is the most talented young music video director out there right now. Oh I think he, he has such an eye for sort of that, that, um, that rhythm. I mean, I, I think he is like a young Kenny Ortega in every way. Um, oh my God, I'm so, so listeners follow Mark on Instagram. I don't know, Mark David Wright. I don't know what his handle is, but he's fabulous. Probably. I think that's it. You know, yeah. But he's amazing. He's amazing. And my, yeah, I'm feeling dramatic because I do miss him. Mm. Billy, do you have a dose of drama? My dose of drama is that I'm so excited for tonight, the Drag Race finale. Yes. Right? Well, the final four. Yeah. Is that the finale? So here's the thing. My drama is that this is my first season watching Drag Race. Oh. I never watched it before. And I literally like became obsessed immediately. So I am, I'm very excited. I'm very Welcome. sad I didn't start oh sooner. God. Thank you. Well, the good Thank news you. is you have 10 plus seasons of amazing drag race to exactly. watch whenever you need it. Exactly. I've, I've already rewatched uh, every Snatch game because that's the thing. Because I was, I loved impressions growing up. I did a very mean Joan Rivers when oh, I was nice. 13. She was in Balloon Boy, the Kazoozical, mind you. Oh. <laughs> um, yes, thank you very much. So, so that was sort of my doorway in. I was like, oh my god, I gotta, I gotta watch this just to get to a snatch game in context. And I'm so glad I did. I don't think we've seen a Joan Rivers snatch game performance, but one of the queens named Mrs. Kasha Davis did a Joan Rivers impression during one of the mini challenges in season. Interesting. Seven. Oh, you know all the history. I'd like to think of myself as a historian. That's the thing. I'm sort of not not threatened, but like, there's just so much. I need to know, you know? I know. Final four predictions. So who do you think is going to well, snatch I the crown? Well, I think the most well-rounded out of everyone is Rosé. I mean, she obviously has it all and she's so polished. But I I would be happy if Gottmik won it as well. I think mm -hmm. she would represent something really special in the, the drag race lineage. And Simone yeah. is great. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go wrong with any of the those three you mentioned right. there. I think Candy, I'm really excited she made it that far. I love when a big girl makes it far. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she's definitely had a little bit more of a struggled journey this season than the rest right. of them. But Right, um, and that's what makes her appealing I, I think, is yeah. that it has been hard for her this season. You know, definitely. we've seen the the dips yeah. in the, the valleys and whatever. Oh, mm. yeah. And even Simone has sort of dipped in the last couple of weeks. Right, right. In my, in my opinion, but she she was so strong in the beginning. Right. So I think it's I think it's got mixed to lose. Right, I, I, I think know. so too. I mean, I think with all of them, they all have a really clear point of view on what their drag is. And that is what really inspires me. You know, they all feel... Mm -hmm. Uh, distinctly individual, which is really cool. Yes. Billy, this was so much fun. Connor said it best that we could have talked for so much longer. You are a delight and you are so talented and you're so young and the sky is the limit for you. I so appreciate that. And I so appreciate you guys having me on this show. 
as I was saying beforehand, y'all are the pinnacle <laughs> of the theater podcast right now. So I am honored, honored to be oh a guest God. on it. I'm, so I'm thank giddy. You. Thank oh you. I know. And we've got to mm. give a shout out to our dear friend, Carly Heitner, for connecting us. And also our friend, Alexa Spiegel, who I also miss. And she's a fellow Long Islander with Love you. of my life. Yes. And all of them are working on Little Black Book somehow, too. Oh, I love it. You've got your own little crew there. Well, everyone should, of course, check it out. Check out Little Black Book, stream it, buy it, get your physical CDs April 30th through Broadway Records. And everyone should follow Billy at the yes, Billy Reese. On Instagram, I think. Right. And I think Twitter is just, I don't know. Just check out Billy's up. Twitter, especially because he is I so. Know. Billy, fun. I'm going to need you. you to sign a physical copy. And then one day, a 13 year old boy <laughs> will find it at the flea. At the Broadway flea market. There Absolutely. Looking like mm-hmm. the weekend. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. And everybody, if you're not already, follow at the drama podcast, me at Connor McDowell, Dylan at Dylan McDowell. And Connor, I'll see you next time. Drama. drama.